I see your caboose, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put a hand up, Claire. I'm like, I'm like, you see my caboose? I'm like, okay. I mean, here we go. Jump aboard. Welcome to Well Shit. It really is that simple. I'm Claire. And I'm Serena. On this podcast, we help you to understand about your 12 universal needs, why they are currently not being well met, how to meet them in ways that work for you, and how to consistently do so in quick, easy, and simple ways that fit seamlessly into your life. We'll also help you to understand how doing so will have a positive ripple effect in literally every area of your life. If you like what you hear, sign up for more support with meeting your needs with your weekly Universal Needs Notes at theuniversalneeds.com. And enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. So how are we doing today? We are doing a large coffee with a whipped cream topping today. Oh, it's that kind of a <laughs> it day It is today. that kind Ooh, of a day. Tell us more. <laughs> um, we'll talk more about the, uh, the lead up to that kind of day, but the kneading of the coffee, I actually have a... Um, situation that happened to me this morning that I think would be kind of valuable to share with everybody. Mm, Um, Pre-coffee me is not as on point as post-coffee me. (laughs) I can, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So I, um, I went to go get my coffee this morning and I had a free voucher and usually I save those for like the days that I'm like, it's a whipped cream and large coffee type of day. <laughs> I want to make the most of this free coffee. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I usually get like almond milk or oat milk or something in it. And that costs me like a quarter more. Right. Well worth it for mm-hmm. that extra kind of cup in my mm-hmm. cup. And the whipped cream topping. Because I'm one of those people, whipped cream just makes things more fun for me. Like, <laughs> just give me a cup of whipped cream. And I'm like, oh, it's like... It's just you wait to see what happens when you brought a cup of whipped cream and some sprinkles. Oh. <laughs> it's like a Sunday without the ice cream. It's, <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it makes me happy. I'm not. I'm. I'm not Nothing sorry. Wrong with I'm that. not sorry for getting excited as, over whipped cream. As I was, <laughs> as, oh, we need to. Oh, we need to put into the um, the queue of um, podcast to come the um, an episode about the whole apology thing and the sorry, not sorry. Mm. Um, it's like, sorry, not sorry. Hold on, you're apologizing for the fact that you're not sorry. So now like I have this thing now I say to um, somebody uh, else I'm very close with, it's like, I'm not even going to pretend to be sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not going to say sorry, not sorry. I'm just not sorry. So yeah. I find I catch myself more after doing the needs work mm-hmm. that I, when I apologize, I'm like, actually, I'll be like, Actually, no, I'm not sorry for that. No, I'm like, not sorry at all. <laughs> anyway, back to your whipped cream and um, extra uh, hen- extra hit of caffeine this morning. Yes. So I went up to the window and I gave my little my little coat on my app mm-hmm. and I heard the and eh, like it took it and I owe more and she's like that would be two fifteen and I was like excuse me <laughs> she's like two fifteen I'm like for what it's a free coffee <laughs> she's like. The almond milk. And I'm like, uh, normally that's like a quarter. I was like, 215, that's like another coffee. And she just kind of looks at me and I just, I'm in my own energy. And all of a sudden. You're I, in your own little world up until this point. I, until that point, And I kind of feel like this energetic hit. And I look over and she's just kind of looking up at me like, 
please don't flip out on me. I mean, like all of the energy coming out of her. I mean, I couldn't imagine working at a coffee shop mm. on the morning shift. Right. Like how many people haven't had their coffee or mm-hmm. in their own little world who just don't who just don't care and right. aren't aware of the humanity around them and the interconnectedness that mm-hmm. we have with people. So I'm I look over at her and I'm like I am so sorry. Like, I I realize this is probably coming off that I'm, like, yelling at you about this. And I wasn't even yelling at that point, which is funny, because my yell now, yeah. <laughs> in my yell before, like, uh-huh. but I don't want, I didn't want her to take any of that. I was like, But even just the, and it, like, the, 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 even as you were describing it, you're not yelling, but there's an edginess to the energy. An like, to an it. intensity to what you're saying, which can be taken, which can feel like an attack to some people because uh, of the intensity you're coming with. Well, my intensity was going at, I'm, um, a lot of the fast food places now actually show what your total is right, like on yeah. a little digital screen. My energy, I was looking at that screen and I was like... Focused on that. Yeah, I was like, it's, screw you. Like, what, <laughs> Screw you, little screen. Right, and, but she's right behind the screen. Right. So, and most people aren't putting their energy into being mad at the screen. Right. <laughs> like, so for her to be like, oh, that's obviously not at me. It's at the it's computer. It's at the screen, right. It's at the computer. It's at, it's at corporate for deciding it's going to be two fifteen for this rather than a quarter or 75 cents or whatever. Right. And I know that's just what was coming up on her computer. I also realized it was probably an error and I could have been like, can you just check to make sure that's correct? Uh-huh. With a line of cars behind right. me, I'm... 215 wasn't going to make a difference to me and that was better it's still a good deal for the coffee you got it is still a really good deal for the coffee i got and i didn't want to put an extra layer of anything on her day and i'm like you know i just i wanted to make sure that i'm under um, i'm aware just for next time so that i don't get this kind of hit of like oh it's a surprise before my coffee and she just kind of laughed and i could feel like everything in her just go oh you think she's She's not going to start on me. This is not the this is not the customer that's going to be the beginning of the downhill of my day. <laughs> right. And it was just I took I drove away and I'm like I'm so glad I caught I caught that energetic hit that I got from her and Wait, it wasn't defensive. And when, and when you her. say, and I mean, just to explain what, what you mean when you say energetic hit, because I can imagine it, it sounds like someone's like, have you been punched in the face by some energy? <laughs> it's like, no, no. It's like, like some LARPing, like yes. lightning bolt. <laughs> it's, it's more like when we say energetic hit, like for us, it's like what that, that's, that's the us noticing that an energy has shifted. It's, it's noticing that someone's energy has shifted from where it was to where it is. And what Serena means in this situation is that this this girl's energy has probably shifted from being just like fairly neutral to oh god like it's like shit it's gonna be one of these customers oh crap this is really not what I need this morning like that and so when when she's saying the energetic hit it's that that hit of the energy being recognized in our system of like oh that's what's going oh god and it because sometimes it like it, it almost like wakes you up to the situation because you you it makes you aware of where how somebody else is feeling how somebody else is reacting how somebody else is um processing what it is that how you're behaving yeah it was literally I was looking at the looking at that little screen and I looked up and I'm like oh fuck <laughs> like, I'm so I'm sorry, so sorry. <laughs> you know um we'll kind of refer to the energy as like the woo side of things yeah. because it a lot of people don't feel that in the way that we do but it's also the realization of somebody's needs have been impacted mm-hmm. and it impacted my needs because of that interconnectedness right. I felt the impact to me just after I felt the impact to her, or maybe before, or maybe at the same time, like it was yeah. impacting both of us because I wasn't 
operating being mindful being mindful yeah. of the interconnectedness of of the fact like she's literally repeating what's on the computer screen i've worked right. in food service computers yeah. are horrible right <laughs> horrible when it comes to like customer service a lot yeah. of the time and it like i just felt like really kind of compelled to share that because that mm. one moment like i could have changed her entire day and the other thing I want to just say to this is that, yeah, we, we like we're very sensitive to energy. So we will I mean, I don't even need to see something happening with somebody and I can normally sense hot on the shifted something's going on like that. That's just how I actually shared a post on Facebook about that recently. And um, it was funny. I had one of my old clients m m responded because I was like, it was something like my my first language is energy. Like I'll tell I can tell if it shifts. I can mm -hmm. like can tell if it's off. Blah, blah, blah. And one of my clients actually posted and it was like, this is so you like this could not be more you and I was like I'll take that as a compliment she's like oh no it's meant as a compliment absolutely it's part of the reason I'm so good at what I do is because normally I can sense things that are going off with people it's that aren't necessarily a, being spoken about it's meant as a compliment when she's not calling you out for trying to bullshit her right because you're lying about you're like yeah I'm fine and she's like uh-huh yeah and then it's like I'm fine I'm fine okay okay we can pretend that's true right. that's one of my favorite phrases yeah like and then it's like someone's not ready to ready to hear what's going on or ready to own what's going on I'm like okay I'll pretend we can pretend that's true for as long as you need to before mm -hmm. you're ready to get to the point where you're ready to realize oh okay Oh, okay, this is actually, you're right. This is what's going yeah, on. Right I can't now. mask. I can't um, and so, so yeah, so while we are both very energetically sensitive, there are other things that, that other people might notice is that you might notice someone's body language shift. You might notice their muscles tensen. Um, tensen? Is tense. that a word? Tense up? I do not. Oh, I don't know. Tense up. I think tense up is tense the... <laughs> up. Um, you might notice what happens with their line of sight. They might go from looking you in the eye to looking down or looking away. Like there is there are other things like you don't have to be woo. You don't have mm -hmm. to be energetically sensitive to be able to notice what's happening. Like their body language could go from open and or with their or to to kind of close with their arms crossed against their, across their body. Or for her, it was there was she took a half a step back, mm -hmm. which I mean I was in a car. She I mean the drive-through window i i don't believe it was a um necessarily a conscious like i'm in danger step back but it was a i'm uh -oh. getting a little bit away from you because like there's, putting, some, there's some intensity coming off you right now that i don't want to deal with exactly <laughs> like she was she was moving away from my intensity but when i looked up her face it was fairly neutral like you know 9 50 in the morning she's been through probably quite a few drive-through people mm -hmm. and quite a few coffees and right. quite a few personalities yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden she was like it her entire face dropped right. but it wasn't something it wasn't like it was but it was just enough where I'm like oh there it is oh like I know that I make that face when I'm like that's what the, the fuck is happening that's the my face is dropped but I'm trying to still be professional face yes um it could even be could, <laughs> I know that face right well. <laughs> we, we all know that face we've all had that face um it could even just be simply um like paying attention to their breath like if they're holding their breath if they take a breath in or if they like make a suck like anything like that these are all little indicators about how something might be impacting somebody that you can just start to notice and then as serena did like notice oh hold on a second i'm actually impacting this person's needs with how i'm showing up right now and how can i navigate through this in a way that i can basically apologize for make amends for it and leave them in at least the same state they were in when i arrived rather than worse than when i got here and I mean, we've mentioned it in a previous episode, 
intent over impact. Right. It was not my intent to put mm-hmm. my energy on the uh, person serving me my coffee. But I did. And the impact was there, regardless right. of if I meant to or not. Like, right. obviously, I didn't mean to do that to her. Right. I wanted the computer to feel that. <laughs> like, Damn you, head office. You get this energy. Right? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if we could, like, just... Uh, uh, that's just... A, I mean, that is a wormhole it's, of... <laughs> you know what I just got in my head? I don't know whether anyone's ever seen this. There was an old Simpsons episode where they went for family therapy, and they're sat in chairs where they've got, like, buzzers where they can give, like... Like a little electric shocks to like the other family members were <laughs> like you know it's like oh that hurts like everything and someone gets electric shocked i'm like i just got this image in my head of like of having a um uh like one of those buzzers at the point where you've got go you go through the drive-through and it like zaps the ceo like no, no this is not good enough <laughs> do better like <laughs> that is an awesome i mean immediate not, no obviously we don't want to do harm to other like, people even just a vibration like right. unhappy customer yes unhappy, unhappy customer, customer right unhappy customer and have it go so there or even it flashes up on their screen unhappy, unhappy customer, customer unhappy so there's an awareness of what's going on like, because nobody wants the ceo to know that the customers are unhappy <laughs> imagine you had like especially with where things are at right now can you imagine how many notifications they would get a day i mean like it would be like bing, 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 like they never get anything but then else maybe done. they'd realize what's happening to their staff because if they're getting bing 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 their staff is getting like Boom, 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 boom. Right, boom. exactly. And therefore it's like their job to do something. I don't know. That, well, <laughs> interesting, interesting idea. I'm not sure that our corporate clients would go for that <laughs> as a uh, as a strategy, but but it is something about like no, like be, that having that awareness of what's really going on at the ground level. And that's one of the things that we often experience that when we're working with corporate clients is that what the, what the um, executive suite are aware of and what the line level are aware of are very different. And actually um, we want to make sure that we're supporting all of the levels mm-hmm. in the organization and getting their needs met yeah we'll definitely be going deeper into mm-hmm. that one just because the the levels of awareness in corporate in corporations mm-hmm. there's a lot of segmenting purposefully and there's a lot of de- like deliberate like willful ignorance mm-hmm. of like i don't want to know what's going on because then i'm gonna have to do something about it kind yes. of thing so um, anyway, like good story. I like that um, I <laughs> went in a weird direction. <laughs> when does it stay in a not weird direction? Like if we have an unweird episode, you should be like, are those ladies okay today? Yeah, <laughs> like, we, like, should we check on them? Like, <laughs> they made a little too much sense. <laughs> there were no weirdness. There was no woo. There was no laughter. There was no swearing. What's going on? Like, <laughs> Have we filmed an episode like that? Yet? No, we haven't. <laughs> That's like as as the person who edits these episodes, I can pretty much categorically say no, we have not. <laughs> but I think that it's really important now for us to start to transition into what we're going to talk about today, because today we start the first in our guilt and shame series. Now, this is not always necessarily a kind of fun or in, like um, comfortable topic to discuss, but it comes up so 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 frequently, and it is very very much related to our needs. So we wanted to. Um, just have this series to expand a little bit firstly on what is the difference between guilt and shame but also start to look at how these things are used to manipulate us how we're told maybe things are one thing when actually it's something else how we internalize these things and how it impacts our needs by doing so because it's by being aware of these things that we can then do something about them um and i don't know about i don't know i'm not going to speak for you but i know that for me guilt has been something that's been very 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 present through a lot of my life um 
and um, it's something where I've often like guilt has often been a driving force behind decisions I've made or decisions I haven't made uh, or I've made decisions that have been unwise and hit felt that hit of guilt but it's been more than just guilt it's not been guilt I've been experiencing it's actually been shame so first things first what is the difference? What is the difference between guilt and shame? I didn't even know there was really a difference until mm. we started talking about it. And I was like, oh, that's like guilt. And it's like, Claire was like, no, that's shame. And yes. I'm like, oh. <laughs> like just mine. Oh, that would have been a perfectly timed, I think, I, like Glitter a bomb. second. Oh. oh, I thought you spitting your water. I think oh. if I did it a second, like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. You know what? I was thinking of glitter this morning and I'm like, uh, it's not the time. When is it not the time for glitter? <laughs> anyway, back to guilt and shame. What is the difference between guilt and shame? So there's a massive, massive difference between guilt and shame. And it looks at the different levels that we are speaking about. Like, where are we focusing our attention? Guilt is I've done something wrong. So I have done, I've, uh, there is a behavior that I've done. Maybe I've said or not said something I've done or not done something. There is something I have done. And that thing that I have done is wrong. We're focusing on the behavior level. Um, cause there are these different kind of, um, layers of ourselves. Like we've got our identity, we've got our beliefs, we've got our values and we've got our behaviors. It's like just four of those levels. Um, Go ahead. Would you say that the example this morning, if I had driven away and just gone about my merry way, I probably would have been, I would have had a feeling of guilt mm -hmm. having gone away from that situation. It was. Yes. You had, you, but and you were aware of the fact that you had done something that had impacted this other person. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of guilt is, oh, I've done something wrong. We'll go into it in a little bit more detail in a minute. And like, we'll go into guilt in a little bit more detail. We're going to shame in a little bit more detail. But primarily guilt is I have, there is a behavior, there is something I've done or not done. And that was not cool. That was not okay. And I feel bad because I've done this thing that's not okay. Shame is something entirely different. Often the two get used uh, interchangeably, but shame is there is something wrong with me. This is there is something wrong at the identity level. So we were talking about the fact there's identity, beliefs, values, uh, and behaviors is just four of the levels of the self. When we're looking at the behavior level, for a start, when we're looking at the behavior level, one, it's easier to do something about that. It's easier to change something at the behavior level because it's like, I've done this, I want to do something different. This is the reason that when um, when we're talking about um, uh disciplining children we're going to come back to can you if, you if I forget can you help me remember disciplining children I want to do that after we've gone into more depth about the difference between guilt and shame so that I can use that as an example um so shame is there is something wrong with me that is at the identity level that is who I am there is something wrong with who I am and it's far harder to do something about who we are than it is about the things that we do and don't do so let's go a little bit deeper into each of those so when we're talking about guilt guilt is when you have genuinely harmed another human being or even another sentient being like it could be an animal or what have you um, but it's like we've we know we have caused genuine harm with something we have done, with a behavior that we have engaged in or something that we haven't done, for example, like that we feel like the, we know there was something actually it would have been better to, for us to have acted in that situation rather than not acted. So when we're focusing on that, that uh, behavior and we're recognizing that we have impacted another person or another sentient being, what happens, especially like focus on it being another human being at the moment, your humanity kicks in. Your humanity kicks in and it's this internal feeling of 
I'm a human being and that other person is a human being and I wouldn't want to have experienced what that human being has experienced. So I don't want that other human being to experience what that human being has experienced. It's like, I get to see you as a human being and my humanity, but that is this, as I said, we've talked about it in innumerable, on innumerable occasions about the humanity is our, in, uh, our interconnectedness is our humanity. It's that 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 common link that's like, I'm a human, you're a human, and I don't, um, I, I don't want you to um, uh, experience harm I don't want to experience harm because I know how it would feel if I was experiencing harm because I'm a human being too kind of thing now the thing about it is is that when we have done something that has genuinely harmed somebody else our humanity kicks in and what it does is it creates this positive internal motivation to honor your humanity which is connected to your value need that feeling bad when we do that that is what is going to keep us in alignment with our humanity going forward because what it's going to do it's like I feel bad when I do this to somebody else so I'm not going to do that anymore and so it's that when we when we feel that when we feel that guilt it is us working exactly as we are meant to it's like actually I don't want to do that I by doing that to this other person, I feel bad. And now I feel bad. We want to feel that because by feeling that, that acts as our internal motivation to not do that thing again, to do things, to ensure that we don't do that thing again, to learn and do better. So it also then means that will also prompt us to make a genuine apology in that situation. So it's like, oh my goodness, I see what I've done to you. And you can go, if you want, you can go and look uh, back at the uh, apology series. Think it's around episode 16 um, that um, where we go through the steps to an apology but I will put it in the show notes uh, and you can go through and make that genuine apology where you're going to acknowledge what you've done you're going to address um, what um, the situation you're going to make amends you're going to um, act to uh, avert further harm is obviously the first step you're going to um, avoid it happening again in the future you're going to learn and grow and all these sorts of things that will come, it'll be more genuine if it's coming because you feel the impact of what you've done to this other person. And when you've made amends you and acted to avoid repeating it, the guilt has served its purpose, so it's no longer needed. So that guilt then dissipates because the guilt is our internal system saying, hold on, we've done something that is out of alignment with who we want to be as a human being. And by coming back into alignment with who we want to be as a human being, that guilt starts to dissipate. And by healing that, um, that, um, that impact to the other person or doing what we can to heal that impact and doing what we can to ensure we are well, not going to repeat that impact impact that guilt then slowly dissipates over time it's not going to be like an immediate oh done fixed check bye-bye guilt um because we're still going to feel the the remnants of the fact that we've impacted somebody else but that is going to be allowed to slowly dissipate and that's um we talk about like processing through your emotions mm -hmm. not circumventing and going around and part of the guilt process is if you don't do something to put yourself back in alignment to make amends mm -hmm. to be in interconnected with humanity right to honor to be in alignment with who you want to be then you're gonna start compounding that guilt doesn't go away no. if it's not processed if it's not rectified you can be like oh i feel bad about that and then go on go about gone go on about your business <laughs> which she said <laughs> um apparently i haven't drank enough of my coffee <laughs> But it's going to start compounding and eventually mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you start feeling like you feel guilty more often. You feel guilty like the intensity of the guilt that you're feeling yes. is more and that's because it's compounded and it might be things that you don't even remember. But eventually as you start processing, you'll be like, 
Oh, I remember when I did that. Okay, I can't make up for that with this person in this situation, but what can I do to A, anchor it in myself to make sure I'm not going to do it again? And Mm -hmm. is there a way I can still make amends? Yeah, I can do something to to create some kind of healing from this situation. Um, So yeah, so that's why we're talking about guilt. And this is the thing is that guilt is actually a really helpful tool. Guilt actually can be a really great ally in us learning to be better human beings, to be more decent human beings. Because when we have that guilt that comes up, it's like, oh, okay, that's how I'm, that's, that, that, let's not do that again. And let's make, let's make right the fact that we did that in the first place. So it helps us to become better uh, human beings because it connects us with our humanity and our humanity, which as I said, is part of our value need, is then acting as our guide for how we want to show up in the world. And that is a very, very helpful tool. So guilt, if we learn how to listen to it, how to respond to it, how to process it, and how to act on it, can actually be an incredible ally. Even though a lot of people, I'm sure, if you felt guilt, you're like, how is this a good thing? Now I'm gonna question whether you're actually experiencing guilt or whether you're actually internalizing it as shame. So shame, as I said, is something entirely different. Shame is there is something wrong with me. And the issue with that is that shame really is a very destructive force. There is very little constructive that ever comes out of a shame. And I'm using that absolute, absolutely and deliberately. Um, It's very, very, very rarely is it ever helpful because it doesn't serve us to see ourselves as the problem. Because the thing about it is, is that, as I said, when we're looking at the levels of self, it's much, much easier to do something to shift our beliefs or to shift our behaviors than it is to shift our identity, like who I am as a person. And if you internalize, I am a bad person. I am a angry person. I am a... um, I don't know. Lazy person. Lazy person. Like as soon as you make it who you are, that makes it far more difficult to shift. And I, in my experience, I have never experienced uh, a situation or seen an experience with somebody where shame has left, has, has led to positive change. Because what it tends to do is it tends to cause this, this self-destructive cycle And what it does is it tends to lead to self-harm, which is that, and even if that self-harm is like, I'm this terrible person, I've done this terrible, I've done this terrible thing, gets then shifted to, I am a terrible person. And it ends up creating this shame spiral where it's like, um, and what ends up happening is often is that we tend to withdraw from other people when we're experiencing shame. So actually what we do is we compromise our needs even more because we pull back from the community and the connections and the places um, that can actually support us through those things. And it tends to lead to self-harm. And that self-harm can be, oh, I don't believe I'm worthy of X. I don't believe I'm deserving of this. So we don't do the good things for ourselves. We don't take care of our needs. And a lot of the time, what it can tend to do is because this shame is a feeling that we're desperately trying to get rid of, we don't want to experience. It's actually a lot of the, one of the um, trigger points for a lot of addictions. Because at the root of every addiction is an unmet need. Basic At the base of every addiction normally is that we are experiencing something that we don't want to experience or we're not experiencing something that we do want to experience. So from the shame point of view, we're experiencing shame. We don't want to experience shame. And so what we do is we use the addictions as a way of trying to numb that and not feel that thing rather than recognizing actually it was never, sh- this is not something that is our shame to carry. Maybe we've done something that we want to feel that 
we do feel guilty about. But then if we focus on the behavior, we can actually do something about that and shift and move in a positive direction. And when I'm talking about addictions, it's really important to also just note here that whenever we speak about addictions, we're not just talking about this, the quote unquote standard addictions that most people are talking, uh, most people talk about. Um, so we're not just talking about drugs, alcohol, gambling, those sorts of things. We're also talking about things like the socially acceptable addictions. So things like food, shopping, exercise, social media, coffee. Um, there's all kinds of different things that are we, we don't see as being problematic. We don't see them as being addictions, but we have an addictive tendency around them, watching TV, playing video games, all those sorts of things, because they're a way of trying to numb a situation that we don't want to feel, or they're a way of trying to feel something that we don't already feel. Now, it's very important for me to just make a, a quick um, caveat here that when we're talking about um, shame and we're talking about addictions, is that the challenge here is that shame feeds addiction, addiction feeds shame, feeds addiction, feeds shame. And it's like a, it's like a it's, downward spiral. It's dizzying. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and the thing about it is, is that a lot of the time addictions have been a coping mechanism before how to deal with unmet needs that we haven't known any other way of dealing with. We don't know how else to deal with it. And so we found something that in the, uh, in the short term creates temporary relief or temporary uh, pleasure. We use um, Gabo Mate's um, definition of, of an addiction. I don't have it in front of me, but that's one of the components of it is it creates temporary relief or temporary uh, pleasure, um, but is... Um, hard or very um it's uh, impossible or very hard to give up despite long-term negative consequences and the thing about it is is that so often what ends up happening is that we we found this thing to cope with the situation that we're in in the absence of knowing another way of doing it so it's very very important if you have an addictive tendency around something is not to shame yourself for that is to recognize this was an unmet need or a com combination of unmet needs that I didn't have another way of doing it and actually I'm pretty incredible because I found a way of coping with that it's not actually a long-term strategy that works for me and it's harming me as well as co uh, as well as it's helping me to cope and so maybe there's a different way of getting those needs met that's actually going to be more supportive and that's where we talk about harm reduction in the context of addictions because we we don't want to um uh it's most important thing is to is to reduce the impact to our unmet needs uh, or the reduce the impact to our needs we want to reduce the harm and maybe look for other ways of, of meeting those needs as well but it's really important that because what ends up happening is that there is so much shame often associated with addiction because of the stigmas attached uh, to addiction is that a lot of people feel shame it's like there's something wrong with me and actually there's not in most of those situations there isn't anything wrong with you. you you are a human being who has had unmet needs and you haven't been taught any other way of meeting them and this is your coping strategy for doing that but because there's so much shame associated with addiction what happens is is that someone uses an addiction as a coping strategy normally because of shame and then what ends up happening is that because they've got an addiction they feel shame about the addiction so they layer on more shame which means that they need more of the coping strategy so they end up using more of the addiction and they get into this kind of vicious cycle um where it ends up kind of going down and down and down and down. So the more, most important thing is just to acknowledge that this is a coping strategy that you have used for unmet needs. And maybe there is another strategy that would serve you better and not have the con negative consequences that the coping strategy you found in the short term in the absence of anything else um, 
um, that it doesn't have those same negative consequences. So yes, there's a desire to learn different ways of coping and that there are other ways of getting those same needs met. But it's really important to, to notice the difference between when am I feeling guilt about something and when am I feeling shame about it? Like when am I feeling guilt? I've done this thing. Okay, I've done this thing. What can I do about this thing that I've done? How can I make sure I don't do that thing again? And I am a bad person or I am a terrible person or I'm an awful person. There is something wrong with me. I am broken in some way. The second we get into that space, we're going to drop into that shame spiral. And when we drop into that shame spiral, we're going to go further and further. It's going to lead to more self-harm, whether that self-harm is compromising of needs, which then increases our need for the coping strategies, whether it's withdrawal from communities, which increases the need for the coping strategies, whether it is just simply in that, oh my goodness, I've done this thing. I've got this coping strategy. I'm shaming about the coping strategy. Oh God, I'm going to go back to more shame, which means I've got more need for the coping strategy. She says, hitting the uh, um, sound screen and down and down and down and down. I also feel like there's, um, as with many things, there's a compoundedness to the shame cycle as well, mm -hmm. that once you feel shame for one thing, yeah. you, you kind of start identifying, like you start compounding it yourself. You're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm shamed on this level and this and this and this. And then you find all the ways that you've been shamed, feel shame. Like right. it seems to be, it, it will intensify right. if you don't address it and if you don't recognize actually this a lot of a lot of shame is put on people from right. other people it's like that no like you can tell me i'm not a good person mm -mm. Mm -mm. well oh. someone could say that to it's, you but it's not it's it's like i'm i may have made a mistake i may have done something that's wrong um but there is a difference between i've done something wrong and i'm a bad person right yeah. Um, and the thing about it is that when you when you talk about that, uh, we've got our brains have this ab amazing ability that when we believe something, they look for further evidence of the fact that that's true. They look to back it up. So if you have that, so what one of the things that Serena's speaking to is like, if you believe I'm a bad person, your brain will look for all of the other evidence of the fact that you're a bad person and compounding. Oh, God. Yeah. Look, you're a bad person because of this. You're a bad person because of this. You're a bad person because of this. Your brain's going to try and prove it to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it will look for, and, he, and here's the thing is that it will find situations and even though that's not evidence of that it will view it as evidence of that because that's the the lens through which it's seeing things so it's like there's so again like you could look at a whole bunch of things that you could feel guilty about because i've oh i've made this mistake and i sh i really shouldn't have done that or i would prefer to have not done that if you're looking at it through a guilt lens of like, okay, what have I done? And who do I want to be in the world? I want to be somebody who actually lives in, in alignment with my humanity and I want to make these things right. Those then become opportunities to then learn and grow and improve. Those exact same things could be internalized with a shame lens where it's like, oh, look, I'm a bad person because of this. Oh, and look, that makes me a bad person and that makes me a bad person. And we've got so conditioned into this good person, bad person kind of dynamic rather than recognizing we're all human beings and we are all going to make mistakes. We are all going to do things wrong. And it's how we relate to those situations and how we make those better. It's how we grow from them. It's how we, um, how we improve. 
and how we prevent doing those things in the future. That's the testament of our character, not making the mistakes in the first place. But the issue we have is as a society, there tends to be this like, oh, I've done this thing wrong. Oh, that makes me a bad person. And as soon as you create that self-label of like, I'm a bad person or I'm a lazy person or I'm an awful person or whatever, or I'm an unkind person, all of a sudden you're going to end up finding that you're going to get into a pattern of, of noticing more instances which seem like they prove that that's true and actually they probably just prove that you're human and if you use them through a guilt lens of like oh hold on a second yeah I did this thing wrong and yeah I want to learn how to do better and not do that thing in the future the same exact things can be kind of painted in those two directions um, and going back to the example that I was talking about at the beginning when it comes to like um, disciplining children it's why a lot of people say when you're disciplining a child you never say to them, and again, never is, I'm, I'm using that as a deliberate absolute here. You never say to them like, you're like um, you're such a bad girl or you're such a bad boy or you're such a bad person. Um, that you're, in, instead what you do is rather than focusing on the identity level that you focus on the behavior level. Like um, uh, you hit this person and that we don't, that, that, that's, that's not a kind thing to do. Like and there's there's different ways of approaching it, um, and I'm not suggesting that this is how you would do it. But you can have a conversation then about like wanting like would you like people to be kind to you, and therefore do you, do you think it would be nice if you were kind to other people? Would like can you see how if you would like someone to be kind to you that it would be therefore it would follow that you would want to be kind to other people so that they'd have the same sort of so you can open a dialogue around these things when it's around behavior as soon as you start to create an identity for somebody especially with children because they are sponges for this stuff as soon as somebody is like oh this is who I am as a person they're going to start operating in alignment with that so if you if you label them as a bad person, they're going to view themselves as a bad person. And once they view themselves as a bad person, it's then much harder for them to shift that rather than, oh, you, uh, here's, here's the thing that we, I mean, one of the things we talk about in terms of, uh, that we comes up quite frequently in the context of needs is um, understanding how we late, relate to children's needs. Um, and we talk about uh, attachment parenting and when with attachment parenting, there is this difference between principles and rules. Um, and attachment parenting um, comes from a principles-based approach. Whereas rules are these outside things that are put on us. And normally the rules are the things that are used to shame people. It's like, here, it's not just, you did this thing and it broke the rules, therefore you broke the rules, therefore we want you to rectify the fact that you've broken the rules. A lot of the time, the hop, skip and a jump, whether it's said explicitly, is you broke the rules, you're a bad person. Um, whereas actually principles are things that normally are created by the family together, including the children. It's like, how do we want to be as a family? What are the things that we would like to do? And the principles are, so the, the rule would be, don't hit your brother. Um, the principle would be we want to be kind to each other. So we could have a um, like, and again, everyone has a hand in deciding those principles because you want them to have internal investment into it. It's like, I this is what I want to do, not something I'm being told to do. Like, what do I think is a good way of being? What? How do I want to be as a, as a person? And then if they hit their brother, that then becomes a conversation like, okay, so firstly, you, you hit your brother. Do you think that's in line with the principles that we decided we wanted to do? Like we said that we wanted to be kind. Do we think that that's kind? But then more importantly, you can then have a conversation. So what? why did you hit your brother? 
what was going on in that situation what needs were not being met in that moment okay what what's the other way of getting those needs met was there something you could have said in terms of having a conversation with them could you set a boundary with them if that didn't work could you have come and caught a pair like there's there's a bunch of different layers to this but when it comes to disciplining children a lot of the advice is that you focus on behavior rather than identity because behavior is much easier to shift behavior is where we talk about guilt it's like oh god i've done the thing i shouldn't have done or i should haven't done the thing i should have done that is much easier to address and rectify versus I'm a bad person because there's very little that you can do about that because it again it becomes part of your identity that's much harder to shift and I want to say this kind of brought up some thoughts for me in the sense of giving children those identity labels Mm. thinking of where we're saying you are yes I used to get called a bull in a china shop when I was a kid Mm -hmm. I was clumsy I I was big with my arms I was big yep. in my stature I mean like I'd, I'd knock some I'd knock some shit over <laughs> like it's just you know uh me too <laughs> yeah and I wasn't like I was ever trying and I I got more mindful of it but I was a bull in a china shop mm-hmm. so many people told you are this and it's right. like and I carried that for a yes. long time and I was clumsy for a really long time and mm-hmm. then I realized it was actually luckily long before I met you I'm still clumsy like I am like my head well i'm gonna pause you there are you clumsy or you are you sometimes who someone's does sometimes does clumsy things well it is the second i'm like no i'm clumsy well, there, and this we is go. exactly <laughs> what we're talking about but for so long it was like that is that's who she is oh serena's gonna mm-hmm. fall like, mm-hmm. i mean you can ask if there's if people listening listening at different um stages in my life life, they're like oh god when did she change (laughs) like I still fall right because I am a person who sometimes falls I'm a person who sometimes knocks something off a shelf accidentally right but it's no longer who I am like it's is that true given what you just said it's not who I let myself identify I don't identify my like you just did a moment Hmm. ago it's not how it's not and it's like it's not and and the thing the reason i'm saying this is not how you want to identify yourself but there's obviously still still some some of that conditioning in there i I had the similar thing with like um i I was bossy i was bossy as a child no sometimes i was assertive and sometimes i was a i was i assumed a leadership position Mm -hmm. within what was going on and sometimes i might have been push i might been behaving pushily to the other children maybe i wasn't asking and checking in with them but there's a big difference between looking at the behaviors that are going on and putting that label on somebody and it's interesting how even with the amount of work that we've done there are still things that someone can say to me oh you're like you're bossy and i pause and i'll be like Okay, what did I, and I, what I, because of the amount of work I've done on this, what I will tend to do is like, what was I doing? What was I saying? What was I not doing? So I will then start to shift that into what were the behaviors I was doing? How is somebody like that's, they're, they're trying to put me in a box. As Serena would say, fuck your box. I'm not going in a box. Um, but it's interesting how we've been put into those boxes. And sometimes we find ourselves in them still. And it's like, no, I'm not. No, that's not my box. In mm-hmm. actual fact, I did things that might have gone alongside the box, but that's not where I live. But it's interesting how even just in this conversation, mm-hmm. you still describe just and I think it was, there was um 
the it, it's it's such a habit of us to do um in one of the previous um episodes i can't remember which one it was um but you describe yourself as an asshole like i am an asshole no mm-hmm. sometimes you act in that kind mm-hmm. of a way but there's a difference between owning that as the label which is what then varies is very very short hop skip and a jump to shame from there mm-hmm. versus focusing on the behavior and i'm only doing this with serena live on the podcast because i know one she won't mind mm-hmm. and two because it shows how prevalent this is even for people who have been doing this work for quite some time mm-hmm. and how it sneaks up like, yeah like, you don't oh, even notice it i'm i'm Oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, God. In the same <laughs> sentence. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's that's how our brains work. And it attaches mm-hmm. and it's like, no, that's not me. That's sometimes what happens in my world. Right. <laughs> and it's that those identity, um, those identity labels that we put on ourselves or that other people put on us are the, 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 the express way to shame. Because so very, very rarely are those positive. And when what we do is we look at those and we go, oh, yeah, I am that kind of person versus actually, no, that is something I I might have done. I might do it frequently, but that doesn't define me as who I am. I can still make choices. And here's the thing is that this is where it compromises other needs, because if we're not acting from choice, if we're acting from those labels unconsciously without realizing that we're doing it, we're actually disempowering ourselves. We're not me. We're compromising our personal power need because I know I I said it in on a recent podcast about the, the Meredith Brooks song, bitch, like I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm a child. I'm a mother like I know I have all of these and I know I have a bitchy side of me I know I could be that very easily and I choose not to be um and it's not and again like someone I know there are people from my past who would say she's a bitch I know that there are some times where I've been mean to people many many years ago um really shit, shitty strategy for trying to get my needs met. I knew I wasn't doing the right thing at the time and I've not been kind or pleasant to those people. And those people, I can understand why they would describe me as a bitch. I have done my work now to know I have that capacity inside of me, but actually I'm choosing how I be. Uh, how I be. And you know what? There are sometimes when I've got a million things going on and I'm, I might have a little moment where a little bitchy comes out and it's like, okay, I had a little bitchy moment. There's a difference between I had a bitchy moment okay, I feel bad about that bitchy moment because it's impacted somebody. What can I do to rectify that bitchy moment? What can I do to make sure that doesn't happen again? Probably take care of my needs better is actually the simple solution for that one. Um, and but there's a very big difference between, okay, I've had a little bitchy moment and I'm a bitch. And that, and that the second that we put that on as an identity... As I said, it's the express way to shame. If I hold on a second, there is something wrong with me. So what we want to do is that when we want to notice that one of the antidotes to this is start to notice when we have this, and it comes up a lot, um, we talked in episode 39 about ne- negative self-talk at the beginning, the, the Toxic Positivity um, podcast. Um, when we get into that negative self-talk, when we start to notice that, the thing about negative self-talk is actually it tends to be a shame spiral. Negative self-talk is negative because it is actually creating that self-harm. It is creating that shame. Um, it's like, oh God, I've and very rarely is that because it's sometimes it might start off with the stepping stone that could lead to guilt or shame that's like oh I did this thing the next step from that the next stepping stone we hit normally determines which direction we go like I did this thing 
okay, I, what do I want to do about the fact that I did this thing? That's where we start to move to guilt. The, I, I, feel, I feel really bad about the fact that I did this thing. That might even be the second step. You still maybe haven't bridged off, like uh, splintered off at this point. I feel bad about this thing. Okay, what am I going to do about this thing? How did it impact this other person? What can I do about the fact that it impacted this other person? How can I make it right for the, uh, about the fact that it's impacted this other person? What can I do to, to minimize my risk of doing that again? That's the guilt splinter. But that... I did this thing, I feel bad about this thing, I'm a bad person. That is, or, or I'm a bleak, I'm a blank person, whatever that is, whatever the blank is, fill in the blank. Um, uh, that tends to be that beginning of that shame spiral and that negative self-talk talk normally is where we've 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 not splintered onto the what can I do about this situation what do I want to do to make this right what we've done is we've hopped on the expressway to shame where it's like I'm a bad person how could I have done this why did I let this happen but and normally that negative self-talk is in and of itself a shame spiral so once you notice you're in that negative like if you catch yourself doing negative self-talk this is where we want to go like let's go back to the source what did I actually do what did I not do it's okay to feel bad about the thing that I did but what am I going to do to make it better and that's the point where we can then utilize we can we can shift tracks we can shift from this shame spiral onto the guilt track and that moves us in a constructive direction and one way to also do that is see where this um where the identifier is coming from if you're feeling it within yourself and you're on your own shame spiral spiral that's one thing if somebody that's where you that's where you can do that jumping track yeah. that i just talked about yes Go you ahead. can you you're in the position of choice when somebody tells you that's mm -hmm. what you are i could say claire could probably be like this is who serena is mm -mm. And she, I, but here's the thing, I wouldn't, you, you wouldn't. know, I wouldn't do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but there's very, I mean, very few people who I feel like could accurately do that in my life and be somewhere close. But mm -hmm. I don't think any of those people would ever really do that. No. Like, and we might do it in um, we might do it in a more positive light but yes. even that like it's like saying that you're a kind person you are a kind person but actually again like if you if you use that label of I'm a kind person I get to say oh look I'm a kind person well, whereas Claire, if Claire it's, thinks I'm a good person so. yeah exactly but it's like almost like okay rather than actually I really appreciate how kind you are mm -hmm. like the things that you do that are kind like the like how thoughtful you are these little things like this like I tend to I tend to focus more on behaviors, mm -hmm. both when we're looking at things which I'm giving feedback on, which I'm like, oh, it would really appreciate it if we could shift this. And the things that like, oh my God, I want, I, I would love, I love this side of you because that's how it becomes easy for somebody to identify how to do more of those things. They want to be more of that. It's like, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. Like, it's really easy to say, I love you to someone. I but actually, I think we were having We were having a conversation. Like, like uh, pop screen. Um, like, it's very easy to say, I love you to somebody. But actually, like, like you're a lovely person well what makes me a lovely person like what are the things that you see those are the things I appreciate because it's like oh okay that's something that's really appreciated that's so I can do more of this if I want to be more of that person I can do more of those things if I want to be less of this person I can do less of these things if I know the specific things that I'm doing that are actually creating that perception I'm sorry I jumped in the middle there I know you were in the middle of a track but um, um, which is completely gone but that brought me to another one is the <laughs> you know, kind of identifying with, you know, we're talking about the the shame spiral and that kind of thing, but the positive, I mean, mm -hmm. they're identifying anybody as anything 
can can lead to unmet needs. There yes. are unmet needs, your unmet needs, because somebody attaches to the nice, like what's coming to my head is the nice guy. Oh yeah. And, oh, and the yeah. nice guy is always the nice guy, but I'm a nice guy. Oh, that doesn't that was a one off. I'm a nice guy. And it's like, yes, and you can you be You can't rest on the fact that you've identified yourself as a nice guy. Right. You have to continually like that's something you do, not something you're labeled as once and there it will always be forever. Right. Like ninety percent of the people that I'm in relationship with may be like, oh, she's a great person. And then there might be ten percent that's like I beg to differ. <laughs> but, and yeah, and it's like how it's 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 like how you show up and the things you do that matter most. The the track that you got distracted from when I interrupted you was about remembering about noticing whether that's an internal shame reference that you're putting on or whether it's somebody else's. Yes. And whether somebody else's do you want to say any more about that or do you want me to add to it? If you have something to add, because I'm still running after that train. <laughs> I'm like, I see your caboose, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put a hand up, Claire. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, you see my caboose? I'm like, okay. I mean, here we go. Jump aboard. Um, <laughs> um, I'll, what sa- I, I'll save you from that internal dialogue <laughs> in my head. It was I mean, about to could, get weird. There was, there was like one of half of that was about, you can see my caboose. The other half was I'm putting out the hand you said from the train, jump aboard of the train. Oh my God. This is... This is also a spiral that could end up in a very, very not so great place. So I'm going to jump off it. So anyway, the things about coming back to whether that shame, that shame label, that identity label is being something that you're creating for yourself is where you kind of splinter off and you can be like, oh, hold on. No, let's go back to what I did. How do I get on the, on the guilt track? How do I get on the, because the guilt track is the improvement track. And you can always jump on the, you can always stop Switch. where you are and be like, okay, I realize I'm in shame. How do I get to guilt? Well, and sometimes it's like, oh, I've gone a little way down the guilt, the shame track. Okay, we need to just back this puppy up a little bit and we get back to what we did. And that's the way that, that's the interchange of the two tracks to be able to go, okay, what I did. Now, what do I want to do about what I did? Because here's what I did and here's why I feel bad. It's okay to process feeling bad about what you did. It's okay to feel that. It's not okay when that becomes a a stick to beat yourself with in terms of that self-flagellation because the self-flagellation is the shame spiral. And so it's like, okay, this is what I did. Let's jump on the guilt track. What am I going to do to make that better? If it's coming from somebody else, this is the point where you can, and I, and this is, there's a couple of things to say about this. If it's happening in the moment, what I do is if somebody says, oh, like you're the, like you're this kind of person, I will often switch the language to behavior. I will acknowledge it in a behavioral sense. So it's like, um, uh, I don't know, um, you're, uh, uh, another one that I used to get called all the time was I'm a chatterbox. You're a chatterbox. You talk too much. Well, so there's, that's slightly different because you talk too much. There's a, One, there's a judgment in there about what is too much and what is enough and all those sorts of things. The good thing is, is when you meet somebody else who talks a lot, it's awesome because we you always just, have something to say. We just enjoy talking. So there's like, again, the too much thing, that's a judgment that somebody else is putting on you. And we're going to get into that in another episode as well. Absolutely. I'm also like the whole, but you talk that's something you're doing versus you are a chatterbox. That's something that you are. So if somebody were to say to me, oh, you're a chatterbox, I would probably say, actually, I do talk quite a bit. Yeah, you're right. Like I would I would shift it to the behavior level. It was, it's almost like that's like my little like, deflection shield. It's like, ting, ting, ting. Like you like, you you throw an identity at me and I'm like, ting, here's the behavior. Like, oh, yeah, that's the behavior. And it's kind uh, of interesting being like on, like watching this as she does it. I mean, we do it with... <laughs> 
you know, um, like like the words like the C word, we'll yeah. we'll kind of throw it back. Well, we uh, frame it back in, and we'll it's adjust like, we'll adjust it to what somebody probably actually means, means or what they're trying to say about yes. us. But it's sorry, I'm all sorts of movie. Maybe now too much <laughs> caffeine. I'm just hitting all the things. Um, watching people when she does do that language change. Some people it's just like whoop over their head. But some people you get that like look Momentary of awareness. Pause. They're like, I see ah, what you did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> and then sometimes I'll be like, oh, like, um, like oh, I, I wouldn't use the C word because that's a mental health term. But mm-hmm. I agree. That sounds like a really intense situation. And I just move the conversation mm-hmm. on. And you can see I'm like, ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there's that kind of catch. Um, but when it comes to these kind of absolutes and identity labels, it's like, yeah, no, this is this is this is who you are oh I do that yes I I can see that I do that yes or actually you're this and like you're right I don't do that like I I will shift it into that behavior pattern so that's what I do in the present because obviously I'm also in my needs I know my value I know who I am I know who I'm not and just because somebody else is going to put a label on it I'm like very very rarely will I take that label on um, uh, a lot of the times, and it's interesting because it, the the thing that this kind of like brings to mind is um, is the the um, label of um, ally or allyship when it comes to social justice. Anybody who knows me um, in that space will know I will never identify myself as that. For a start, it's not my right to do so. It's only somebody from the marginalized community that I'm supporting. If they want to describe me as that way, I will appreciate that. But to me, that's not a label. That's a verb. Mm-hmm. That is something like you never get to the point where it's like, oh, check done you've got your little ally tag that you can stick on your chest and be like yeah I'm an ally now you've never done enough because it's only you're only as as uh, that that label is only active for as like, like only relevant for as long as you are active so you have to focus on the verb so again it's like what am I doing not what am I going to label myself or what somebody else going to label me as the interesting thing is, is that sometimes what will happen is that um, we will have had these um, labels put on us in childhood and it's obviously less easy for us to do that. So one of the things that I will often do with clients, like if we go back and we do some inner child work or we do some inner teenager work, is that we look at what are the labels. I've no idea what that noise was. <laughs> no idea. It's like whatsoever. a fog. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think I've ever seen fog in Key West. Oh, it's my. That tummy. was your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> that first one wasn't, but that one was. The second one was. I don't think I've never I've never seen fog here. I have, but like on the water, not rolling in. I mean, we do have a lighthouse, well, but it's, low it's, clouds. I've seen I've seen lots of rain. I've seen rain moving in, but actual so fog, fog. I don't know that I have. Anyway, sorry, complete <laughs> sidetrack. We'll, the feed, fog we'll feed my belly to make sure going, it doesn't do that again. again. So um, going back to the the inner child stuff is that what what I'll often end up doing is that we will end up giving that label back to the person who gave it to that person. Like we'll do a visualization or we'll do a process that will be like actually that label was not about you. It was often about them. It's them trying to get their needs met by trying to get you to conform to who you they want you to be. So because that will meet their needs better. That's not your burden to carry it was never your burden to carry and so what we do is we go through a process of actually that that that's let's give that back to the person um it was a it was a um unwanted gift let's return it to sender Mm -hmm. now we're not saying we're putting it on them we're not putting the label on there but we're going actually this was never 
this is never about me. This is about you, especially when when you're a child, because your child, as you're a child, the people around you are responsible for meeting your needs. And those labels often compromise needs. And so that was never part, that was never meant to be part of your childhood there was maybe some support or guidance that they could have provided to help you learn about X, Y, or Z or what have you. Z, still a Z. There was a Z the other day, but now we're back to Z. <laughs> Keep my, my my American British transition is kind of in a wonky place right now. I'm I'm flip flopping both sides of the pond. Um but yeah, like there there are there were things maybe that um and it's not to say that all children are perfect and they don't need to learn and grow and understand different things. That's part of meeting their needs as well, is that we provide that support, we provide that guidance. But the key thing is, is that the labels that get put on children are normally nothing to do with the child. It's about how the child is being judged, the expectations of the parent, the needs of the parent, and the parent trying to get the child to conform to what they want the child to be, rather than supporting the child in getting their needs met. So those labels, we want to return those to sender they choose not to reopen them again that's cool they can sit on the they can sit on the the doormat uh, or in the mailbox and completely unopened but the key is that they're not meant for you Mm -hmm. they're not meant to stay with you because again those labels are where so many people have got shame because of the labels that were put on them as children and because they've never been taught about this they've not never been taught about the difference between guilt and shame and actually there's an example i'm going to give in um i don't think it's the next episode i think it's the final episode in this series where i'm going to talk about an interesting experience i had on a first date many many years ago where um the person i was on a date with it described a situation between his children and uh got a, um, a bit of an education about the difference between guilt and shame and uh, is a great example of what it is that we're talking about today. Um, I think that's probably it from me. Anything you want to add to this? I got two more in this series. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty still to come. Yes. So um, stick with us. Um, and we're just I'm just going to invite you as you are listening to this just to notice the times in your life where you've taken a situation where you've done something or haven't done something and where you've internalized that as being I'm a bad person or there's something wrong with you and just see with think about those instances and just remember return back to what you did and see how you can get on the guilt track in terms of doing something constructive in order that the guilt will serve its purpose so you don't need to carry it anymore because that is one of the the biggest gifts that you can give to yourself I also want to add another Mm -hmm. uh, little thing to consider in there add something yes Um, is also be aware of the labels you were given as a child. Mm-hmm. And I, there a lot of shame, like Claire was saying, has been put on us from children, mm-hmm. like from our childhood. Like not just real, like not just the internal, but look at the external and be yeah. like, yeah, that, that isn't me. Like That's that doesn't define me. Yes. And it's that definition that that normally causes a shame rather than here's, here's who I have shown up as in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to show up as one thing in one moment and then another thing the next. And that's what change and learning and growth is all about. That's what life is all about. That's what human, being human, human is about. <laughs> mm-hmm, very much so. All right, so thank you for listening. Remember to come back and join us soon because we will have another episode on this guilt and shame series. Uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. And remember between now and next time, Time to keep meeting your needs. Lots of love. Bye. Bye, friends. That's it for today. If you like what you heard and would like to see some of Serena's awesome facial expressions, check out the video podcast on YouTube. And remember, guilt is about doing something wrong. Shame is about believing there is something wrong with you. You want to do whatever you can to get back on the guilt track. 
well shit. It really is that simple.